0: Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. This episode focuses on how silos and matrix organization structures inside your organization can work in concert to increase the bottom line. Our featured speaker is Adam Wickersham, director of the Executive MBA program at the UW-Milwaukee Sheldon B. Lubar School of Business. Does your octopus have enough spider webs? It's an odd question, but it hits at the heart of the problem that plagues many organizations. Too many silos or too much cross collaboration causes unwanted hits to the corporate bottom line. So let's break down both of these and walk through a solution. We hear about the silo effect in companies all the time. Silos are formed in large public companies as well as small private companies or nonprofits. Geographical distances, physical spaces, managerial differences, security issues, among other things, are all reasons why an office silo may develop. After all, Different teams usually specialize in different areas, and that's a good thing. But too much segmentation hurts productivity, profitability, and interoffice cohesion. So although the silo effect causes problems for teams, getting rid of silos altogether could result in additional chaos. Silos themselves can be formal or informal. A formal silo could be an organization's label for its group of employees. In the IT part of the business, people are siloed as programmer, tester, business analyst, system manager, etc. Or more generally, in a company, it could be the accounting department, sales, or operations people. An informal silo could be concepts or groups that we subscribe to but really don't recognize when we are siloed by the group. For example, in software testing, you might ascribe to Agile or Scrum or waterfall or Kanban. Due to where and how we work, most of us function in silos. Silos can both be good and bad. They're good if we understand that they exist and allow them to provide some good context, uh, but bad if we limit ourselves because of groupthink and miss ideas from other silos. There several positive aspects to silos. They can provide a common community of like thinking. Uh, support efforts by providing skilled people, establish support networks, aid in communication within the silo, establish credibility for members of the silo, or just truly create subject matter experts. But silos also have a negative impact. They provide tunnel vision, tribalism, a a real us-versus-them mentality, fragmented systems, which lead to miscommunication, errors, and bad practices, Uh, They can become blind to risks in products or groups, self-fulfilling support groups that turn into negative silos, or no oversight to the impact on silo decision-making on the rest of the company. Sitting atop the silos are the corporate leaders of the organization. One would like to think that they have the broad view of the organization, however many of them were brought up in the organization from within their own silo and had to relearn how to think more broadly. This is why many researchers are referring to siloed companies as octopuses. The head, or cross-functional leaders, sit atop the tentacles, or the siloed departments. For an example of the dangers inherent in the octopus, consider the 2008 financial crash, which the book The Silo Effect, by anthropologist Julian Tett, declares was exacerbated, if not caused, by silos. Groups, companies, and even governmental entities were so entrenched in their respective processes that they failed to have a system to view the risk of a potential crash. Those involved may have been called the smartest people in the room. But organizations can't live in just one room. They need to see a bigger picture and the silos they existed in prevented them from foreseeing what was about to happen. You've probably seen this in action in your company. When a project fails, the accountants blame cost overruns on the operations team. Operations blames IT. IT blames the contractors. Contractors blame the restrictions in the contracts created by legal, who implemented the contract through finance. And the circle of blame starts all over again. No single person is to blame, therefore no accountability is ultimately determined. Fingers are pointed at others because each department did everything correctly according to the information they were provided silos at their worst. So what's the solution? According to McKinsey, 84% of all startups in the past year are some version of a matrix organization. Not only is it easy to deploy, but it's a common buzzword in many corporate publishings, causing many established businesses to begin the push towards more decentralization and cross-department collaboration to the point where there is almost no actual departments anymore. Science has long been aware of the need for collaboration. In 1920, most scientific papers being published were published by single authors. By 2010, the average of most published papers was more than five authors. Between 1981 and 2012, the average number of single-authored scientific papers dropped from 33% to 11%. With all of these successes inherent in collaboration, should companies remove all the silos and become a full-matrix, cross-functional, collaborative company? Well, research suggests no. The boundaries that exist in organizations today between managers and employees, or customers and suppliers, and, and across functions and geographies, are still difficult to breach, despite all of our communication tools. In fact, the lack of standard operating procedures for using these tools, and the sheer number of them, have exacerbated this challenge. These cross-functional corporations are also known as spider webs, due to their similarly shaped org and communication charts. After some investigating into the matrix-based companies, Harvard University found that complexities inherent in cross-functional teams can cause problems as well. They discovered that their fragmented, geographically diverse matrix structure made it very difficult for the program managers to coordinate efforts across functions, keep everyone focused on the cost and delivery goals, and get people to reach consensus. To illustrate this problem, we can look at one program manager. Let's call him Tom who had lots to coordinate among dozens of specialized engineers. Since each reported to a different department, Tom would constantly go back and forth with the engineers' managers regarding disputes over over overscheduling and conflicting priorities. At the same time, Tom was looping in supply chain partners as well as quality, sales, and finance teams that were dispersed around the globe. Because of how siloed these functions were, and how many different layers of command Tom had to go through, It was nearly impossible to bring these units together when needed. Decisions were delayed or simply not executed, and of course the program's performance suffered. While tools that we're using every day now, like video conferencing and virtual workspaces and instant messaging, helped people communicate, they didn't help with getting everyone aligned on the same priorities, nor did they foster rapid decision-making. Senior management knew this was an issue, But they also valued the lower cost and flexibility of having functional experts reside in different centers of excellence so that they could be assigned to programs as needed when workload shifted, a culture that had evolved over many years. However, according to a 2019 Gallup poll, most employees in matrixed organizations, according to this survey, aren't terribly engaged with their jobs. And given the relationship between worker engagement and vital business outcomes, such as productivity, profitability, and customer perceptions of service quality, this report should be alarming. However, most leaders didn't want to implement any processes that affected the underlying culture of their organization. Multidisciplinary teams are essential to corporate success in our fast-paced, complex societies and economies, but so are the adroit subject matter experts that are created in silos. So how can companies reap the benefits of both? Differentiation across departments and teams is a good thing, but sometimes it can also be beneficial to create a mashup of skills and duties. The technology landscape has completely changed our ideas of certain company roles. This means that many professionals have to venture outside their comfort zone as roles shift along with the trends. A great example of this is the traditional customer service department. In the past, customer service representatives communicated with customers over the phone or later on through online reviews, but nowadays, the roles of social media specialists and customer service professionals are pretty blurred. 67% of United States online customers use social media, most often Twitter or Facebook, for customer service needs. No doubt this trend has forced social media experts to develop some customer relation skills and vice versa. It's also creates a need for these two departments to develop some common goals, best practices, and consistent voices. You can't have someone on the phone telling people one thing while another department is tweeting about a total opposing information. In situations like this, cross-team collaboration is an absolute must. Other departments that have also started systematically teaming up are sales and marketing, known as smarketing, product design and web development client consultants and SEO, and many more. Each one requires a collaborative effort to get everyone on the same page. Neither require pure silos, and neither can exist in a pure matrix. Embrace the best of both. Company leaders might think of the above suggestions aren't worth the time or money to implement fully, but the negative cost of having a segmented and siloed organization is incalculable. Both siloed and matrix organizations are both notorious for frequently obscuring the lines of accountability, so leaders and managers should ensure that all employees understand whom they answer to and the duties for which they are responsible. The importance of regular discussions to consistently clarify expectations as work demands change is compounded. And highly engaged employees thrive in a system where everyone is accountable for his or her work. So. Increase the direct communication and de-emphasize the general corporate-wide, department-wide email blasts. Focus on your employees so they feel engaged and accountable. Allow subject matter experts to work in cross-functional teams part-time. If nothing else, providing an enjoyable and seamless experience for clients, customers, and business partners should be enough motivation to start adding spider webs to your octopus. Thank you for listening to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. Good luck as you move forward on your leadership journey and check back regularly for additional episodes.